You are listening to the best of Talk To Me on UncontrolledNoise.com. Make sure to tune in each Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific to UncontrolledNoise.com for two hours of the best conversation and metal on the internet. Hello. Hello. All right. So what's been going on, man? Well, I just uh, just got my... um. My weekly dose of rock and roll jerking off done by um, interviewing the great Max Norman a little right. while ago. So that was fantastic. Nice. So tell me all about your interview with Max Norman. What can we expect? Um. Well, he was great, dude. For people that don't know, he produced damn near every record that you own from the from the eighties. You know, all the Ozzy, you know, Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, Speak of the Devil, Bark at the Moon. Um, <laughs> Lynch Mob, Wicked Sensation, Death Angel, Act 3, uh, Megadeth, um, Countdown to Extinction, and Euthanasia, and he, I think, did the mix on Rust in Peace, and, and this guy did some records, man, and um, he was great. He was he was completely cool, man, was doing, you know, we talked for over an hour. He was just really digging into a lot of the recording and working with working with Ozzy and working with Dave Mustaine and Megadeth. And um, he told me some funny stories. He really shit on Metallica, which was hilarious. <laughs> nice. He, he took a, he took an elephant sized shit on Lars Ulrich in this, in this interview. It was funny. Wow. He does not like Lars at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, I mean, I'm assuming if you're a producer, I mean, I've had, you know, I've had Toby Wright on here talking about justice. Sure. I've had Steve Thompson on here talking about injustice for all. And, you know, nobody's really had too many great things to say about Lars and his, uh, his studio performance. So I'm, I'm not sure how, what Max, uh, how Max worked but, with him, but I'll, I'll tell the brief story and people can listen to it on Monday when it gets released out to the web and everything else. But the gist of it was, was that he was, he was in the studio working on Lynch Mob on, um, Wicked Sensation. And Lars and Bob Rock showed up at the studio because I guess that's where Metall they recorded and recorded the Black album in the same studio. Right. So they showed up and wanted to see the studio, and and Max was like, "No, you know, I'm in the middle of a session. You know, you can't <laughs> come in and see the studio." So he told him to come back later, and they, like ten minutes later, his phone rang. It's like, "Hey, can we come see it now? Can we come see it now?" And he kept calling and Lars kept trying to push his way in because he was Metallica. Wow. <laughs> and so, so finally he let him, he let him see the studio like during a break or something, but he just shot him daggers and just hated him, you know, and just literally was like, what a fucking obnoxious dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What, uh, what was the uh, Pantera story you want to tell me? Okay. Well, he, Max was contracted at one point to do Cowboys from Hell, to do the Cowboys from Hell record. Okay. And he ended up not doing it because of Vinny wanted him to do it in Texas, and he didn't want to do it in Vinny's studio. He said he went and looked at the studio and felt like the studio was a little bit dodgy. Okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a quality studio for what he was used to at the time. So... He ended up, he had two offers on the table, that record, and again, 
the lynch mob with uh, Wicked Sensation. <laughs> and he chose to do Wicked Sensation over Pantera, Cowboys from Hell. Oof. And and he said, yeah, I definitely regret that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're more versed in uh, the, the lynch mob. Was that lynch mob album any good? It's a good record. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's the debut lynch mob record. It's a good record. It's... You know, it is what it is, and what do I listen to it every day? No, but as far as Lynch Mob records go, it's probably the best one. You know, um, but is, is it Cowboys from Hell good? No, <laughs> no, no. It's in in his own in Max Norman's own catalog. It's middle of the road. You know, when you when especially when you're looking at Countdown to Extinction and Rust in Peace and Act Three from Death Angel and obviously the you know the entry of ozzy into the solo world and he did all those good records so yeah i wouldn't put lynch mob above any of that that's for sure now i've like i said i've had the producers on the podcast and you know you've kind of got to break it down to you know when i had steve thompson on i think i just picked five or ten records and you know just kind of went through his catalog that way how do you attack someone like that with such a such a vast history uh, to work with you know, I, I didn't come in with any questions like predetermined. Um, I, it's weird because this was, this was straight up me being a fan. It wasn't, he's not promoting anything. I'm not really, you know, I don't normally do anything unless they're promoting something, but his, his management company, um, Joel Sosa at IBD just hit me up and was like, Hey, I've heard you talk about Max Norman on the show before. Would you be interested in having him on? <laughs> and I couldn't jump fast enough. As far as producers go, he is without question my favorite producer that there is. You know, just I own. I looked at his at his Wikipedia page, and I think I own every single record on his Wikipedia page. Wow. There, there, there's something to that guy's specific sound that I love, and, and so I was a huge fan. So I was like, "Fuck yes, I'll do that interview." And, um, you know, I, I just went into it and talked, I asked him, I started with the Aussie stuff, which is the first stuff, you know, that, he, that he did producing wise and just kind of, we just went, went through it. His, you know, it, you know, this man, as, as an interviewer, you listen to what they're saying and you try to, you try to play into what they're saying. You know, he was at some point in the interview, Max was talking about, taking uh, about how recording is kind of like communicating and that the band members all communicate with each other in the studio. And that's how you get them. That's how you get the good from the bad is usually good communication versus lack of communication. And his job is to kind of fuse that communication together. That's the way he, he framed it up. So I immediately knew that he had worked with loudness and I was like, well, how did you have, how did you communicate with those guys? I know you don't speak <laughs> Japanese, you know, and, and, and then that went into another, into another place by talking about that. And, you know, I, I, one of the questions that I asked that he seemed really surprised about, he actually told me after the interview was the first time he'd ever been asked it, which to me is surprising. I would think this is a general question to ask a producer guy. But I asked him if when Def Leppard came out with Pyromania or with um, Hysteria, rather, the, you know, the most overproduced album in the history of time, but that sold a, a zillion and five copies. I asked him if that made him rethink how he did production, because he was more of a 
take the tracks raw and just punch things up a little bit guy. Mm. And, and he was like, wow, nobody ever asked me that before. <laughs> and, and, and he had an interesting answer to it. You know, it's weird to hear a guy that it's weird to hear a guy that has been responsible for 150 million, 200 million records, whatever it is, say, yeah, that really knocked me on my ass and made me wonder about what I was doing. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Wondering what you're doing. <laughs> you know, in my mind, it's like, dude, you sold 150 million records. <laughs> you know, I don't think you need to worry about what you're doing. Yeah. It's always fun to get those guys that, uh, that, we're around all of this stuff and, you know, hitting the buttons and pushing everything and getting them, getting them talking about those times. Cause a lot of these guys don't do a ton of interviews and they, right. don't, they don't get asked a lot about, you know, just the, the day to day stuff with the, uh, with music and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you this now, dude, and if you want the contact, I'll give it to you off the air. This is a guy you should have on just because it, and even, I mean, he didn't do, he did a lot of the 80s stuff, which I know is normal speed, mm -hmm. but the stuff that he did is your speed from the era. He, he doesn't, there, there's not a lot of docking records in there, a rat or any of that. <laughs> and, and, you know, he said another one that he passed on because he thought it was total sh The hell was that? Uh, my cell phone sitting on the uh, computer. Nice. <laughs> no, he, he said one that he, that he passed on because he thought it was totally garbage. And then they obviously went on to be big was Motley Crue. He said he, he listened to the five song and was like, this is rubbish. <laughs> so, yeah, but but I, I think I, I would think you would have a good time talking to him a lot about the Megadeth stuff and Death Angel. And um, yeah, definitely. I'd love to talk to him. And he's one of those dudes that's uh, he's always been on my radar. So I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, let's yeah. let's dive into uh, to our Megadeth week. You know, we we both had Tom Hazard on and then you yeah. went, you went massive with uh, with the luck of the draw, with the uh, Dave Ellison interview the day of uh, Dave Mustaine's diagnosis being uh, let out, so talk yeah. you know, talk a little bit about that, man. Well, you know what, dude? It's it's a weird thing, man. I don't want to say I got lucky that Dave Mustaine announced his cancer on my day, but <laughs> uh, you know, there, there there's a bit of luck that went into that, and it just, um, you know, I I interviewed Tom. Hazard, who's the singer for Ellison on the new project and is and is Dave's business partner with everything, with the coffee and the book and the music and the, you know, the the bastery tour and all that stuff. So I've and I've known Tom forever and a day and not always in a good way. You know, him and I have had some we've had some negative energy in the past and we've gotten past that. And now we have some positive energy, which is great. And I thought we did a really good interview. Um, he obviously thought we did a good interview, and and Ellison thought we did a good interview. So, I I had the I was on the schedule. Tom actually hooked me up up to get the interview done on Monday, mm -hmm. and it was just out of coincidence. I, I don't know how coincidental it was or wasn't because from what Ellison told me, they knew that the announcement was coming Monday. True. Like, so. So I don't know if if he was just happy with the interview that I did and was like, OK, to talk to me, because I unless I'm wrong, I'm the only person he talked to on Monday. I haven't seen anything else come out on the Internet. No, you know, if the, somebody if somebody else did, they would have already had it out, too. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody else talked to him yet. So I, I think I was probably the guy. And look, thank you. You know, <laughs> knocking on the wood. I, I was that Judge Aiken. Yeah, well, I could do that, too. 
But um, no, I, I, you know, I've known I've Olufsen for a lot of years. This was like my fifteenth or sixteenth time interviewing him. I've interviewed him with every band, with Megadeth, with Temple of Brutality, with F Five, with you know, now obviously with the solo material. I've I've been a supporter of Dave's with Metal Allegiance, Pick a Band, Altitudes and Attitudes, all of that stuff. I've I've talked to him through. So, you know, we, we know each other a little bit and it, and you heard the interview. It was it was pretty comfortable. It wasn't like, okay, question is this. Now you will answer. <laughs> now the next question. You know, it was right. very much conversation. <laughs> and um and you know, I I wasn't happy about the circumstances, but I, I was happy with the questions that I asked and I I was very happy with myself that I didn't puss out and I did ask him about you know, is this potentially the end of Megadeth? Because, you know, your singer has throat cancer. You know, it's something that, that has to be thought about. I'm sure we're all thinking it, you know. But, you know, I, overall, I, I was real happy with it. And my God, you ain't lying that it blew up. It was like, it, you know, I, I get those Google alerts and and I must have set it up wrong or something because I get it every time something goes online. And my phone just would not stop buzzing on Monday. It was like every two minutes, another thing would come across. And, you know, I always, me and you both do this. We thank whoever gives us coverage. You know, it's just polite to do. And, you know, the the not so well hidden underbelly of it is then when we do something else, they'll also cover that as well. Right. Because they know us. they'll get the share. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and it, you know, it, it helps all of us grow. Well, my God, I spent the whole day Monday just going, thank you, Yahoo. Thank you, Blabber. <laughs> Thank you, Brave Words. Thank you, um, Metal Injection. Thank you, Metal Sucks. It was like boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, boom. It just kept on. I think it was the final count was something like thirty-five or forty um, art um, news organizations that picked it up. I was plenty happy about that. It definitely, it definitely did well for my little show. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how big something like this is, and you don't ever you don't notice it until it happens. You know, with Dave's coming out uh, the, with the cancer, I mean, there's so many news outlets was, were covering it, and the yeah. big you know TMZ and CNN and all this other stuff. And then your interview was being picked up by, I mean, the AT and T homepage picked it up. I mean, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, AT and T picked it up. Well, even Yahoo News, it was on yeah. Yahoo News. And, you know, I mean, I know Neely reads Yahoo News religiously, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's a that's that's a pretty big that's a pretty big outlet to be covering stupid Chris Aiken, the fuck you man doing, uh, you know, an interview with anybody. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of news of today, let's let's pull up the story here because, you know, you you got tagged in a bunch of stuff the other day, but I've been tagged a hundred times about this Pantera collectible statues that are coming out. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you uh, have you checked these guys out? Have you looked at the? Uh... I, I looked at them and, and they look cool and all. And I think the price is a little ridiculous, but yeah, they, I mean, look, they look, they're they're all handmade, and they were uh -huh. showing them how they're being made and stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I can maybe see the price on these things. My joke is, uh, just wait a couple of weeks, the uh, Rex Brown one will be on clearance. So. Yeah, nobody wants the Rex, dude. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the actual Rex Brown in my house, let alone. Let alone uh, you wouldn't pay Rex to show up at your house for a hundred and fifty bucks. Fuck no, Rex is a dick. <laughs> oh, I man. do not like Rex, and he doesn't like me especially, but that's okay. You know, we've we've definitely had our our share of not liking each other, and that's fine. That's so crazy. Actually, a friend of mine just posted uh, not too long ago that he 
I guess he did drums on Rex's new solo album that's coming out. So I was like, damn, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good for him. Yeah. You know, that's that's great. You know, 150 Pantera fans will hear it. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm just hoping I can get the the interview this time. I've yet to have him on, so. You haven't interviewed Rex? No, I've never had Rex on. I I I put it, I think I may may have put in for it. I don't really deal with uh I think that's Bill who had him. I don't really haven't really dealt with him much, so. Okay. Yeah, Bill, I remember Bill one time Bill randomly Bates. one time Bill randomly emailed me he's like do you get my emails like, <laughs> you know my his promo links or whatever yeah and i'm like yeah i just haven't really jumped on anything so who is that bill meese yeah bill meese yeah he's great for offering stuff up and then saying oh well you don't get it <laughs> <laughs> i actually met him one time i don't know if he remembers that but we were at La- the first louder than life that i i didn't press in he was there but uh but yeah man these uh these limited edition statues three thousand each Handmade, sold worldwide, right? Hundred and forty nine a piece or four ninety nine for the set. Yeah, I was like, oof. I'll pass. I, I might, like um, I like Pantera and all, but not that much. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get them all though. Get one, uh, get two sets of them. One to save and one to fight my He Man. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you throwing your money away. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's what this. Uh, I get all that that podcast money, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, all that podcast money that we get from Spreaker, you could just afford to buy and fill an, fill an office with I them, I think right? I'm up to almost two bucks now, man. I, <laughs> I put my down payment on a dime bag, Daryl. If you just do 6,000 more episodes, you'll have enough for the dime bag, <laughs> or maybe at least the guitar that he's holding or something. Hmm. Yeah, at this point, I probably should just go buy some clay at the store and just see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do couldn't do worse if you bought a, if you bought $150 worth of clay. I'll bet you could make something close. So I, I messaged you earlier about this, but uh, I had uh, my first actual rock star call into the show tonight. Eight, oh, yeah? 8.15, Bobby Gustafson, formerly of Overkill, now of Satan's Taint, called in. How is that band? I haven't heard the band. It's actually not bad. It's one of those I've heard the name a bunch, and uh, I was just randomly offered the, the interview the other day, uh-huh. and uh, I told them to call in the show, and they agreed. So I was like, all right. So I listen. It's actually not bad. It's actually pretty good. But it's just that name kind of scares you away right away. But then I looked into his past, and he played in uh, the Cycle Sluts from Hell. He played oh, nice. in uh, Grip Incorporated. He played in Screw. He. Play- I was yeah. like, oh my god, this guy's been in like every B level band out there. <laughs> I'll you, know, you can call him all B level, but I I'll I'll swear by Grip Inc.'s Nemesis record, Night and Day. Man, all I right. love that band. Yeah, I definitely had to go through the, uh, <laughs> you know, I was telling him that I was a, a good 14-year-old boy when the uh, the Cycle Sluts from Hell popped up on Headbangers Ball, so I was definitely into that band. Sure, good stuff, man. I love that stuff. How was the interview? Is it good? Yeah, it was pretty good, man. It's, a, it's just different, you know, trying to do like, you know, the interviews going live and you have to kind of watch your times and, and uh, I was trying to time the music up to when he was calling in and so it's, it's a whole other world out here trying to do live interviews. Hey, you got to do it the way we do. Just kind of wing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my recording setup is kind of odd, and I'll, a little behind the scenes of how I had to do it. I have my I have two computers going. One with the stream going to uncontrolled noise. You know, one with the Skype and the Spotify and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, running. And then to get him to call in, he had to actually call my cell phone. But the cord that the second computer 
goes into my mixer with doesn't pick up on my phone for some stupid reason. So I had to plug that into a Bluetooth that I use in my car. Oh, Jesus. And then I had to Bluetooth my phone to this contraption. It was a mess. But I, 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 I'm always like trying to outsmart this stuff. And I think I, I think I outsmarted it today. Dude, invest some of that some of that podcast money in a board and a microphone and, and be done with all this nonsense. No, I mean, I've got the board. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm saying. The second is going into the board. Oh, <laughs> you, you need to talk. You need to talk to Neely and have him help you with it. He'll 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 straighten you right out on getting it, getting it straight, getting your your all your equipment needs set up the way you want to. Yeah. And 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 as far as the the phone number, spend the thirty dollars and get yourself a Skype in number, and then they still, can... yeah, the Skype in number is what I need. That'll that'll yeah. alleviate all of this other nonsense. But uh, but yeah, yeah. As of today, I was like, I had to outsmart the technology, so I figured it out. <laughs> look at you! You're going to be taking my job before too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I code look. You know, writing code to me is like a nightmare. <laughs> You know, it's funny, you know, actually, I was actually talking about this the other day when I was uh, roughly about what what would you say, like 87, 88, like 1987, 1988, my cousins had a computer and you would sit there all day and they would have these big giant books of code and you would would just sit there and type in all this code all day. At the very end, you would hit run and then like a screen of like a hot air balloon would pop up with your name on it and like, and, and you would sit there for hours and hours just typing in code. And, uh, you know, dude, I'm so old that I had the old Commodore 64, I think it was back at one point or the Texas Instruments 128 or whatever it was. (laughs) And and I and I used to write code like that. That's how I first learned to write code that whole 20 go to 10 run. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I used to do all that. But it was so old that it was even before floppy disks. And the way you would save, you would type that bullshit in for hours. And then you had a cassette player that was plugged in with a wire to the keyboard. And you would hit save. You would type save. And then it would save the noises to your tape, to your cassette. And then when you wanted to load it up later, you would come in and you would play your cassette into your keyboard. And it would load the program back up into your onto your 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 monitor whatever it's bizarre Jesus. man i'm i'm old <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think i was you know i was probably like 8 or 9 9 or 10 somewhere in there doing all of that and you would and you would honestly sit there all day long just typing in code yeah. to to see a balloon or a dog or something stupid or just to get it to say hello what is your name and then you would type in your name and go hi chris i am computer gee oh. Meanwhile, I spent 18 hours coding that shit. <laughs> right, and if you typed in one thing wrong, it never—you'd have to. Oh god, it was—it was terrible. It just didn't work. It'd come up all red on the screen. Error, error. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love computers, man. But yeah, it's uh it's it's made this this capable. You know, you don't have to go to a big giant studio, and you know, you guys can do your show hundred thousand miles away from each other and yep. make it sound like you're in the same room. Yeah, work. It works now, but boy took a long time to get to this point that's for sure <laughs> yeah well cool man well let's uh let's let you finish out uh something from the max norman catalog how about that all right all right easy easy peasy go to um what diary of a madman go thumb flying high again ozzy osborne did you see that picture of him and his granddaughter 
Yes. I love that picture, man. That is so cool. Let's see here. <laughs> but the problem is, is it makes me just feel old. <laughs> I remember when Ozzy was a young hip guy. Now he's like the grandfather of metal. All right. All right, Chris. Well, uh, thanks for coming on last minute here. And uh, we'll be looking forward to your episode on Monday with Chris, uh, with uh, Max Norman, all that good stuff. Yes, sir. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm going to save all my money, get me some Pantera dolls, and then I'm going to invest in some more stuff for the uh, studio. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Take care. All right, man. See you later. Don't forget to check out Talk To Me Live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on Uncontrolled Noise.